joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Thank you, worship team, by the way. It's just always so... The best... The best in the West. I got this, um, this word kept coming up in worship. Um, beautiful, 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 beautiful. And so um, I just asked the Lord, what might that mean? And you know what, here's what I thought, that I think that church is meant to be like um, the gate called beautiful. And where like Peter and, and John showed up there and said, um, when when, when the, there was a beggar asking uh, for alms, and they said, well, such as we have is what we give unto you. And it says that he, he rose up and went jumping and leaping and praising God. When we leave today, that's how we should be leaving here. <laughs> and the, and so, so the, the provision of Christ for us, I'm just a little bit loud. Provision for, for Christ for us is... Um, on every level. And I think sometimes one of the areas we overlook is the area of our emotional life. And I think that that's actually, you, he couldn't have went, there, there's something about a physical touch and I think that there's a physical touch available from, from the Holy Spirit today, a physical touch. There's also an emotional touch where he can heal, bring, bring uh, into order our, our emotional world. And clearly there's a spiritual touch or he brings our spirit into alignment with his. And so um, we should be those people, like my son said, we are those people of hope. But yet, and, and so my, my hope is over these next um, few weeks is we can be the type of people that, that when, when people are anxious and uncertain and um, about the future that they could hang around us for a little while and we'd be those, after they left it, they'd leave with an incredible amount of hope. They have this, an injection of hope <laughs> because we are people of hope. Paul said it like this. He said, like, is it, like, like, can it get any better than this to live as Christ and to die as gain? Like, we can't lose. It's like awesome. Well, the worst thing that could happen, right? We die, <laughs> and that's okay. It's a, it's a, so, so whatever, carbon tax, <laughs> you brought it up. But I just think we need to be people that are above all of the circumstances and situations and that we put those things underneath our feet and we walk on them. And we are above that and we have to be people that live above that. So my, um, I'm gonna introduce a topic that I've been uh, mulling over quite a bit, and uh, you're going to need to have, um, you know, um, open minds, which you should have anyway, but uh, like, because I want to share some uh, real life-changing thoughts that have really, really, really helped me, and um, uh, it's, it's really important. I'm bringing my, the new King James this morning, so you're in trouble when I bring the, when I bring the big, big red one. <laughs> and I want to talk about hope, and I, can, I think that hope actually is a blueprint for a great life. So that's the title of my message this morning, Hope, the Blueprint for a Great Life. And uh, I want us to, uh, first of all, I just want to share about how, how last year was such a great year for us. 
And uh, we gave $77,000 to missions and outreach last year. You, you have given. You gave uh, $5,000 to the, Pro, uh, the Providence Child Development Center. This is like a, a, a great ministry in, uh, for handicapped children in Calgary. And you uh, contributed $5,000. You contributed $5,000 in from the cold. $5,000 to the Calgary Women's Shelter, $5,000 to Samaritan's Purse as we help with the Moselle refugees, and, um, and then $5,000 to C3 Baghdad, the persecuted church in Iran that is our sister church. One, two, three, the five, 10, 15, 20, $25,000 you gave. What a generous church you are. So that's really great. Okay, take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You will know this off by heart, I'm sure. And uh, as we're defining... Um, Hope this morning, um, you, you know, here, here's what you do know. You do know from um, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. We hear a lot about love, and we hear quite a bit about faith. We don't hear that much about hope. I personally think, and this might, this might feel a bit Im- uh, unbiblical, but it says that where it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God. I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Um, hypothesize that without hope it's impossible to please God. Without love it's impossible to please God. The scripture doesn't say it quite like that, but I think that if, and he says the greatest of these is love. So that makes the least of these probably faith. And sandwiched in between faith and love is hope. And we, we are those people, and you kind of have to grab onto both love and faith to be people of hope. And so, so what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. It's the evidence of things hoped for. So, so hope then is a precursor to faith. I, I'm going to repeat this statement quite a bit, is that, is that hope can only provide, no, sorry, faith can only provide what hope has made a way for. And so, so if, if, and sometimes we get accused of being people of blind faith. faith. There's no such thing as blind faith in the Christian life. It has evidence and it has substance. So, so the, the things, the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony and by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That's a really, really important part. The, the other passage in Hebrews is chapter 6 and verse 19, where it says, This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. This hope we have as an anchor. Hope is an anchor. An anchor is only as good as to what it's anchored to. So, so hope actually anticipates something in our future that is positive. That's what hope is. And, it's, and it is an anchor. Question may be, maybe you didn't know your soul needed anchoring. It needs anchoring. And it is anchored to something. Because you don't make decisions out of uh, thin air. You make them based on stuff. That's what I would call evidence. The, so our faith works like that. Our hope works the same way. So my question might be, what are you anchored to? And, and, and is it strong? Is it solid? Um, I want you just to take a quick look at 2 Corinthians. So I'm, I'm rattling through a few 
passage of scriptures, and then I'm going to have some fun getting myself into a little bit of trouble. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and um, verse 18. I've used this quite a bit because I've had to think about it an awful lot. And, um, and I think that this morning I'm getting close to some understanding on this. Uh, verse uh, 17 first says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, but th- at things which are not seen. So, so this is an interesting passage for me. Uh, we look <coughs> at things... Uh, we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. So we're, able, we're, those type, we're those people who look at stuff you can't see. How's that work? We, so that's, that's who we are, where we don't look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. You and I, here's what we, that's uh, really, really important that we understand this, or we'll be flaky religious kooks. Is, is the difference between our, the Old Testament and the New Testament as people, or the Old and the New Covenant as people. One was outer and the other is inner. That's one of the easiest ways to sort that out. And all through the Old Testament, there was, they, were, they were obsessed with things on the outside and made sure that they, had, they washed right and they did the sacrifices right and all of that. But, the, but under the New Covenant, we are now people of that, uh, it's much more important for our inner worlds, our invisible worlds, not our visible worlds, but our invisible worlds to be in order. And so none of us can see anybody else's inner world. That's why we're never to judge anybody because we don't, we don't have a clue what's going on in another person's life, ever, ever. So, so we, are, we are those people who, have, who are more concerned about the things which are not seen, because we're not outer people, but those things that are unseen on the inside. And both faith, hope, and love are all unseen qualities. It's what they are. But here's what's happened. If we lose our hope, it says that our heart ends up getting sick. And if you're going to have a healthy heart, you have to have hope. My... My hunch is this morning there will be people here who will have lost hope. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is present to impart hope this morning so that your heart won't be sick, so that it'll be healthy. And it's one of the ways that the Lord binds up the brokenhearted by injecting hope into us. But our hope is built on something, and it's based on something. It's based on the promises and the word of God. Which, which never fails. So faith can only produce what hope is able to envision. Hope sees, but it, but it sees the unseen. Romans chapter 8 and verse 24, it says, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. This is very interesting. So, so hope is our secret weapon. That's what it is. As people of hope, hope is our secret weapon. Let me try to now explain in the next few minutes about an abstract term and an abstract quality that you and I are meant to have like in spades. 
but it's often referred to in very vague terms. And that's why we get our definitions from the scriptures. So, so the Bible uses the term hope an awful lot. I counted uh, uh, just around 200 times. It's a lot, hope uh, and, and reference, hope, hoped, hoping. So it's, it's referenced a lot in scripture. It seems possible that our hope can be stolen. And it also seems possible that it can be sideswiped. And the same process that's meant to be used for us can be used against us. If someone was describing you, would they use the term hope, that you're a hopeful person? Because we should be people of hope. I believe that that's who we are. So let me state a, a, a restate, a foundational truth. And that is that the Christian life is not automatic. It's a three-speed standard. It's not automatic. So, so why do I say that? I say that because you have to understand that if you don't work, neither will the scripture. Neither, so the Holy Spirit is at work, but you have to agree with him and you have to participate with him and you have to do your work as well. Hope requires a little bit of work, but we're not afraid of work. But it does require work, inner work. And so as we look at, at the idea of hope and us becoming people of hope, let me just remind us that there's, there's three different ways to live. One is inactive, where we're ignorant of our condition. The second is reactive, where, where we just react to impulses, and usually that's dysfunctionally. A need will come up in our life, and we'll just reach for the substitute. And like the country preacher used to say, if you've got a toot, you don't need a substitute. So... So, the, so there's a, you can live inactive, you can live reactive, or you can live proactively, which is the position of a follower of Christ, is that we live proactively, which means we wisely assess and devise a healthy strategy of meeting our needs in a healthy way. So, so you understand that we are people of desire and of pleasure. You're not meant to kill those desires. You're not meant to kill those appetites. But you're meant to fulfill them in an authorized way. You were designed for pleasure. Don't let somebody say that you are not meant to fulfill some of these, the desires and the appetites and the dreams of your heart. You were, we were created for pleasure. That's, how, that's, what, that's what Eden was all about. But, but as soon as we begin to try to satisfy those in an unauthorized way, we end up into trouble, in trouble. That's why in Proverbs 14 it says that there's a way that seems right, but the end can be death. So there is an authorized way to satisfy your appetites. And so, so that's what living proactively means, is that we become people of the word, and then we, we find ways to health, to, in, in healthy, a healthy way to satisfy the desires and the dreams of our heart. So a, a, a mind-blowing revelation for me was in the book of James, it says that when sin is conceived, this is interesting, because the process in your life is that sin doesn't instantly lead to death, it eventually leads to death. So why? Because it get, it, it, it's conceived. Uh, but that's the same way that hope, hope can be conceived as well, comes as a seed. It comes, right? And so, and fruit in our life is the end of a growth cycle. It's not at the beginning. So, so, so sin gets conceived by just little, by just by a little careless thought. But it's the same way that hope gets conceived. 
It's by a calculated thought. So sin gets conceived and then it starts to grow. And pretty soon you're satisfying that appetite in an unhealthy way. And it leads to death because sin still leads to death. So you can't just go ahead and automatically, well, I'm saved by grace and that's all good. No, you're going to end up in a lot of trouble if you don't, you're not aware as, what, as the trickery and these, these, these lies that come into our worlds. So I have some core convictions uh, before I, I just get into point number two, three, and four. Uh, first of all, there's always seasons in life. If you read of Genesis chapter 9, it says there's always going to be seasons. So there's going to be seasons that are harder than others, but they're just a season. It says as long as in Genesis 9, it refers to there's, there's always going to be seasons from here. And so in, in your life, there's always season. And, and, um, and in Psalm chapter 1, it says that we are able to bear fruit in every season. It, but the, but that's, that's provided that we don't sit in the seat of the scornful, but our delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that do we meditate day and night. And our roots actually, once it, this, this is conceived, we're to be rooted and grounded in love, and that roots, they go down and build a root system until they get to the rivers of water, and we draw that up in us. That's all unseen. Our root system is completely unseen. But you all have a root system that's nourishing things in your life and feeding things in your life, feeding those thoughts and desires and appetites in your life. But we're to be planted by a river of water. I believe that when the Lord is our shepherd, we will have no needs, that he'll meet all of our needs. We, we, we sing the Lord's prayer, and we sometimes pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we follow, if he's our shepherd and we follow, he'll meet all of our needs. That's a core conviction of my life. I also believe that the best days are still ahead, and that the path, uh, our path is a progressive revelation, progressive maturity, and progressive development. I've, I have been following the Lord now, and this is, ni- this is 2017, uh, for 35 years. And honestly, in the last 12 months, I feel I'm just starting to take some baby steps into understanding s- some, of the, some of these great things from Scripture. I just feel like I'm just starting. Why? Because I live believing there's progressive revelation, progressive maturity, and progressive development. So, so the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and brighter. My path's getting brighter. Um, but anyway, these roots are go- that are going down, the roots that are, go- that are going down this last year are, will bring forth great fruit. And n- secondly, is that prophetic words over your life are always incomplete. And sometimes when we get a prophetic word, we go yippee, skippy, away we go. But the fact is, because prophecy was, oh, it's, it's in part, it says we prophesy in part. It usually a prophecy, a pro- when you get a personal prophetic word, it's a mountaintop, it's never a valley. Have you noticed that? It doesn't tell you about the, what you gotta go through. It tells you where you're gonna go to. And so the prophecies, personal prophecies, if you've have a, had a personal prophecy that you're gonna go out and change the world and you're gonna be, uh, which, which that, that's a process, takes a lot of time. And so, so when we get a personal a prophecy, they're, they're only in part, and they're meant to comfort us and encourage us and pull us into our destiny. And so that's what prophetic words can give us great hope and actually, uh, actually, prophetic words like hope, they actually, they, 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 f- they nourish patience within us. When you can see where the Lord's taking you, you can wait for it. But when you can't see where you're going, when you, and, and Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says that without a vision, you will perish. This is what happens in marriages. People lose a vision for marriage. I'm working on a sermon next month for, um, 
um, marrying the woman, marrying the person, so no, loving the person you didn't marry. <clears throat> it doesn't take long. The, the person that you married, did you, you notice that they changed? So did you. You noticed that. Have you noticed that? How do you keep loving? <laughs> uh, it was easy to love that woman I married. But she changes. And I have to keep loving her. But here's a news flash. She has to keep loving you too. And we're all changing, right? So we got to learn to love the, woman, the person we didn't marry. <laughs> I think it's a brilliant sermon title. I may not preach it. <laughs> Might get into too much trouble. Okay. So here it is. Here comes the revelation. And this is, this is three very quick points. But they are, they are absolutely, positively life-changing. Point number one is faith sees. Hope that is seen is not hope. Faith sees. Faith is a substance of things not seen, but the evidence of things hoped for. Uh, when you look through different um, uh, dictionaries, you'll find, you'll find uh, when you look up the word hope, I'm not sure if it's Webster's or who, but one of them says it's a confident expectation. It's not bad for a definition, but I don't think, it's, it, I don't think it anchors strongly enough to scripture. So here it comes. Here's what, here's what faith is, or sorry, here's what, here's what hope is, because I believe hope is a function of our imagination. It's not seen. So then where does it come from? It comes from our imagination. But it's anchored to something solid. So every one of us has an imagination. The question is, what feeds that imagination? You all, you all are using your imagination every day. If I were to ask you, uh, the directions to get to your house, you would have to use your imagination to get me there. Well, you go through down this road, there's this road, then this road, there. You, you all, so, and, and if I were to say, um, you know, what, what does your, uh, what's your front door like? You could describe it because your imagination, it carries that in your, it, you, you know what that is. So we all have an imagination. Imaginations are amoral. They're not good or bad. It's how you, it it's, depends on the information that you give them. That, so hope sees something. Hope is not just a confident expectation. Another definition is uh, an anticipation of good. I don't think that's good enough. In trying to take an abstract term and make it uh, absolute, I think the best way I can describe biblical hope is it is a positive picture of a preferred future. So so when hope is working in your life, your imagination based on, I'm saying, when it's based on the word of God, it becomes a, a very positive and a preferred future for you and I to live in. Just stay with me while I explain it because hope that's not seen is not hope at all. This is, evi this is the evidence and this is why it's a precursor to faith because it's the substance of things that's hoped for. So we all, so it's a function of our imagination. We all have them, we all use them, and they're powerful weapons. And they're used to bring thoughts into the obedience of Christ. Somehow and some way, we have to get a hold of our imaginations, because that's where hope lives. 
The word in the New Testament that I am finding absolutely remarkable, it's D-I-A-N-O-A, dianoia. And it's used in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, where it says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your mind, dianoia, and all of your strength. How do you love the Lord with your mind? Doesn't mean, I don't think it means just be like, like figure out logarithms and stuff. I think that means that you carry an image in your mind about what God is truly like and who he truly is and that he really is a good, good, good father. To love the Lord our God with all of our imagination and all of our, our mental capabilities requires that we remove all ungodly thoughts and ungodly perspectives from our mind. This is work because constantly you're being bombarded by unhealthy and ungodly thoughts of what God is really like. And I know I went out on a limb on Christmas Eve and spoke about Muslims, but the fact is that, that when we just use the term God generically, it's not necessarily the God of Scripture. We have to get, so our hope can be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It, can, it has to be built on something that is solid and can't be move, move, moving. moved, Have, has moved, cannot be moved. Ignore that thought. <laughs> Isaiah 27 verse 6, and it's, this is the same word. I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. So that's the same word, imagination. It's the same, and, it's, and the word dionoia actually means understanding, insight, meditation, reflection, perception, and imagination. If it, so he's gonna keep you in perfect peace. How do you do that? So, so the, how do you have this shalom in your life if you think God is angry? I'm nervous. And then he might just slap me down. But the God of scripture is not like that. He's ever loving, always loving. He's my greatest fan. So, so if I can keep my mind stayed on the biblical image of what he's like and hold true to that, that he's not looking for an opportunity to harm me, but he's looking for an opportunity to heal me. And when I come into alignment with that, listen, my, I have put so much effort into, and this takes work, to seeing myself healed. If you can't see it, you can't be it. That's what the scripture is saying. Your hope has to be built on, a, on, on the revelation of who he has created you to be. If you can't see that he wants to bless you, you will never be blessed because you won't acknowledge it and you won't live like that. You'll live below your standard. But if you can see yourself blessed, I, long before my kids could ever walk, I saw them with their hands in their air worshiping. It's no longer a surprise when I see their hands in the air worshiping. I seen like that 30 years ago. And that was a function of my imagination. That's what hope is. Hope, movie, hope is a picture that I carry in my heart. And, and by the way, when you got it in your heart, this is, this is what happens because your heart is just is like soil in Mark chapter 4 about the types of soils. And it says that the farmer goes out and he sees that the earth brings forth fruit all by itself. That you don't have to work at it. What you have to work at, because the seed is good, what you have to work at is getting that soil good. And then the, the seed will just bring forth the fruit. It'll just happen. 
the prince of the, this, this uh, revelation of Jehovah Jireh, or I think more accurately, Jehovah Yireh, the Lord whose provision shall be seen, but isn't seen now. Do you have a revelation of Jehovah Jireh as the one whose provision is already look, looked after, and, but it shall be seen, and he makes provision for every eventuality in your life? Or do you wonder, I wonder if he's going to provide for me? See, see, what happens when you have a vision in your heart, when you've got a picture within your heart, it's just a matter of letting it live out. And it becomes rather effortless. So, uh, okay. Okay, I ranted about that long enough. Uh, The force of hope. Hope is extremely powerful when it's used biblically. So if you don't have a positive picture, of your future and you have a negative one, what is that? And what does that produce in your life? When you have a negative picture rather than a positive picture, because it's positive. So I gotta build, so hope is a positive picture of a preferred future. I honestly, this, don't take this wrong, my, my beautiful wife. I work hard at keeping a clear vision for our marriage. I have to see my future happy and whole. Otherwise, along will come something else to try and think that can fulfill that need better. Are you getting getting what I'm saying? If you don't work on the positive of that, you'll feed on anything that comes along. You gotta guard your thoughts. You gotta guard your heart, baby. There's stuff coming at us. You can watch, I'm I'm just about only watching Hallmark movies now, because Anything over an eight, rate, an eight, an eight-year-old can watch, right? You, I, I start reading. I, I now in, in my holidays, I try and read a fiction novel or something. Man, you start going along, and you know he's after the Nazis, and the next thing you know, they're having this wild love scene. <sighs> what happens? Well, if you imagine it, your body will respond. Will respond. Listen to me. Your body will respond to what you're thinking about. Have you noticed that? This is, only three men said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm the choir. And I gotta watch it. If I gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. Are you, you know what I mean? So as you, so, so what happens? When God gives you a vision of purity for your marriage, don't think that's just gonna happen automatically. You gotta put razor wire around that vision, baby. Because there's enemies coming in, and they're using very, very special, high-powered weapons, and they know just where to get you. When we come to Christ, and we invite him into our life, we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ. Everything. Everything you need. This is why we misquote, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, and we stop there. But it's according to the power that's at work in you. That, that's, that's the rest of that passage. This power is within you. So when we come to Christ, we have everything we need, I have in Christ. Um, everything. This, the weird thing is that we often have compulsions to look outside to meet those needs. Everything. 
You don't need something out there to make you happy. This is why anything that's advertised, you don't need. You'll already go get the stuff you need. They're telling you things that you th make you think that you need them, and then they'll put a girl in a bikini beside it to make you really think you'll need it. Just telling you how it works. The truth is, the truth is, okay, so when you look outside for something to satisfy an inner desire, it's not the thing that you really want. I really think I want a Corvette. Anybody else? Love Corvettes. But I want you to just think about that for a second. Is it really a Corvette you really, really want? Or is it the ownership of one? Or is it how you feel when you drive one? What, what is it? It's something else on the inside. When someone says, I think I really, really need a wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> think about it. So here's what, what do you want? You want, you want the companionship. I don't know, you may want a few other things, but you want, there's, there's a feeling that you get, right? That's often why we get married. That's really why we stay married, because of how our spouse makes us feel, not how we look. When someone says, I really, really want a bunch of money, really, paper with dead presidents on it? You don't want a room full of paper with dead presidents on it. You want the power or the feeling that you get when you have an unlimited amount of income or something. You don't understand the complexities that goes with that, but, you just, but it's the feeling that you want. That's typically why we get married and, and, or we, right, so we do stuff because of how it makes us feel, where? On the inside. So nothing, it's a big statement to say that nothing on the outside will satisfy what's the craving on the inside. I understand we need food, et cetera. Just take it generally, okay? <laughs> General. Okay. So, hope is an inner picture of a future reality. And I never know what's in somebody else's heart. The Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, He prays that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that the eyes of your understanding could be opened and you'd be able to really get a, a fresh understanding of what is the hope of His calling, not your calling. It says the hope of His calling. Why, why is that important? Because I have everything in Christ. And when I understand what his calling was and how he fulfilled his calling, yeah, but Pastor Lord, I won't fulfill mine. Yeah, you, you will, and you can in Christ. But we, unless we're able to see it, we can't be it. So it's an inner picture of a future reality. Second uh, Timothy uses three pictures of, a, of um, somebody. He uses an athlete, a soldier, and a farmer. Every one of those needs to have a positive picture of their future. There's no farmer in his right mind would ever plant a crop if they thought they were going to have crop failure. Not one. Right? You all, you have, what do you have? You have a picture of a, you have a picture of a bumper crop. What about an athlete? Do you think he goes out there to lose? No. Every athlete carries within their heart, I'm going to win this sucker. And what do they do? They see themselves breaking through like this. I hope, although, if not, you can't, you won't do it. This is, this is kind, this is not quite a science. Are you listening? It's not, but it kind of is. Because you have to be able to see on the inside the type of person that God is calling you to be. And you've got to hold that long enough until you be it. That's bad English. You be it. No, you be it. Yeah, you be it. <laughs> Same with a soldier. Is there any soldier that's got any that's worth his salt that ever goes out there to think, I'm going to get killed today? You won't stay on the front line. You'll be back in the mess all by noon. You're out in the front line, why, as a soldier, because you're going to win. 
What are you doing? You're carrying within your heart a picture of winning, a positive picture of a preferred future. Am I right? Athletes are like that. Farmers are like that. And you and I are meant to be the same. We go into battle not thinking, oh, dang, I'm going to lose. You don't, you're going, you've already lost. You get back on your knees and your face before God, and you get the gumption while you're in the quiet place that you're going to win this because Christ always leads me in triumph. You got to see him as leading you in winning. This is, this is the work that you and I have of carrying and keeping an inner picture of a future reality. Okay, so Pastor Lauren, what's the difference about just being positive and being biblically hope, hopeful? That's a good question, and I'm glad you asked it. Let me give you the answer to that. Because I, what's the difference about just being po- positive? Well, listen, I would, I, honestly, I'm, I would rather preach to a bunch of positive people any day. Give me a bunch of Amway salesmen. At least they want something better for their future. Do you, you know what I mean? Rather than sitting there with your arms crossed and saying, you know, but be willing and ready to make, to grab onto a truth and, and make a change. Okay. The difference between being positive and being, being helpful. Well, you all, we all should be positive. Hopeful people are always positive. But here's the difference, I think. There's a clear difference between a positive thinker and a person of hope. The answer is easy. The way to tell is the basis of your positivity. What's the basis of your positivity or the basis of your hope? If I'm positive because of what Christ has purchased for me in his death, burial, and resurrection, if I'm positive, there, I'm a person then of biblical hope. See the difference? Or I'm just positive in my own, st- I'm, I'm awesome. I'm just so awesome. And here's why I'm awesome. Yeah, God made me awesome, but I'm, I'm just positive because I'm awesome. I can do this. I got this. Well, you know, there's a moment where you're going to have to say, in weakness is strength. That's what we sang about today. Man. I'm enjoying what I'm sharing here. If your hope is built on Christ and his promises, that is real hope. I believe that biblical hope takes a promise of God and creates an image of our imagination in our imagination. It looks not at things which are seen, but things which are unseen. And it gathers enough evidence to persuade my heart of its reality, and then it holds it there with confidence until it comes to pass. Your desires are important. The Bible says that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. It says, so where do I get my desires from? My desires come from laying aside my own fleshly desires and grabbing a hold of God's renewed desires within my heart. Okay. Our imaginations are super powerful and they're waiting for instructions. Your imagination this morning is waiting for an instruction. I want to I want to pray for for people this morning in these next few minutes who's who who no longer have a positive picture of their future. That for some reason you've given up. Here's why you'll give up is if you don't have a positive picture in your heart of a, of a better future. Then we'll give up. Um this this word Psalm 42 and I was you know when I was when I was reading through Psalm 42 I was thinking of Brittany and so I'm going to pray for you very specially in a second. But here's what Psalm 42 in verse five says. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Do you ever talk to your soul? David did. You need to know what's going on in your soul and then ask your soul some questions. You'll be surprised at the answer you'll get. David asked this question. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? If you had a real good look, I asked the Lord to show me my heart one day and I was disgusted. It looked like smoker's lung. Like on the pa- packs of those cigarettes you see when you're walking. Looked like the lung. 
like those lungs that are all, do you know what your heart, do you know what your soul is like? Many times we're actually a little bit nervous about looking at what's really inside us because we're not happy about what we might see. Well, this is what's okay. This is why as believers we can come in faith together and say, Lord, I want you to have a look at the meditations of my heart and create in me if you need to a new heart, a fresh heart, a clean heart. Have a look at what I think about. Have a look at the images that I carry in my heart and my mind. Let him have a look at them. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope in God, for I, sh- for, I, for I shall yet praise him. I honestly think that there's a cure for depression and anxiety by hoping in God. Amen. By having a fresh, here, here's, when I was going through some of this healing stuff, the Lord asked me one day, he said, Hi, Lauren, and it was so profound, how does it feel to be healed? Because I was, all I was doing was feeling what it was like to be unhealthy. How does it, you mean he cares about how I feel? Absolutely, he's not a great high priest that can't be touched by our feelings. He, he knows. And here's what he wants to know. If I have to get an image of Jesus carrying every bit of my pain, every bit of my healing in his cross, because that's what he, he carried it on the cross. You have to see him as carrying every one of your burdens, every one of your sicknesses, every one of them, every cancer was in the body of Christ when he hung on the cross. Every cancer. Why are you disquieted, O oh my soul? Why are you so, I think it's secure, it's hope in God. I want to I just give us three quick questions. Here's a question. Here's, here's a question in closing. Three quick thoughts. First of all, do you know your dominant emotion? The default emotion. Of, of your, when you're making decisions, when you're going about, do you have, do you have a de- default emotion? If your default is anger, all it takes is for somebody to make you a little bit angry and you lose your peace. That's all it takes. The enemy just come in and just poke that little anger button. Just need to take somebody in a Tesla to cut you off. <laughs> and you're messed up. Right? Or a Corolla. <laughs> really? I'm going over you. Oh, right? That's all it takes. What's your dominant emotion? Because, because he says he'll keep me in perfect peace. And the Hebrew word there is shalom, shalom. Wholeness, wholeness. Multiplied. Do you know your dominant emotion? And here's another one. Are you aware of the kind of thoughts that you think? Not the thoughts, the kinds of thoughts. Because if you have a whole bunch of thoughts that are why thoughts, you'll have a, you'll have a victim complex. Well, why are they doing that? Why did that? Why are they? Why are they? Why are they driving that and doing that? And why do they get to do that? Why? Rather than Lord, how can I forgive? Now, why is that person being so mean? But how do I forgive? How do I bless? That's a, it's, a, it's a kind of thought. It's not a thought. You should be aware of your thoughts. Well, what are the kinds of thoughts? And then lastly, um, oh, I guess I only had two. I thought there was three. <laughs> January is about dreaming again. January is starting the year off with hope. 2017 can be a year of hope. But you have to carry in your heart a very positive picture of the future or else you'll end up mopey and grumpy and wondering why isn't these things happening to me and why isn't this happening? What's going on here? What's going on there? All right. In review, hope is an inner picture of a future reality. 
faith can only produce what hope envisions. If hope can't envision it, faith can't make it happen. We gotta be people that carry positive pictures of ourselves, of Jesus, and, uh, and, and I wanna pray for special, especially for people who don't have a positive picture of their future. I wanna pray for you this morning, personally. So let's all just stand up. Yeah, I'm gonna pray for you, Brittany. Because I want the Lord to give you a picture of you absolutely free of any anxiety, absolutely free of that. And I'll see that because I, I want you to see it. I've seen it. I want you to see it. If there's anybody else here this morning that you don't have a, a positive picture of your future and you, it's like, it's like hope has been deferred. But it says that when, when we have hope, actually it empowers patience in our life. You're saying, why hasn't this, this happened? When you can see it, you can wait for it. But when you lose an image, when you lose the vision, when, you, when your imagination gets off and you start thinking all these other things and unhealthy things, it's at that point that, you're, that you lose your hope. So Lord, this morning with this group of awesome overcomers, I ask that you would give them the courage to respond today and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, Give them a fresh vision of their future, whatever it is they're wrestling with, whatever it is about their future. In the name of Jesus. If you're feeling like you've lost some hope and you're like a fresh image of your future, I want you to just come storming down to the front like a, like a madman. Just come on up to the front. You created us with great purpose. You created us with great vision, Lord. You created us with great drives and great desires. And I ask, oh Lord, that when we've looked to substitutes to fulfill those desires, God, that we would get sick of them. Lord, that we'd be tired of the substitutes. Father, I thank you that we're, we're those people that don't like work, work for money that just ends up going through our pockets, Lord. God, I'm praying for strategies for 2017, Lord, that you would bring us things that satisfy our souls. I ask that you would wake up and sanctify the imaginations of every man, woman, and child, Lord, in your house today and in houses all over Calgary that we would not be afraid to dream big dreams, that we wouldn't be afraid to attempt the impossible, that we wouldn't be afraid, Lord, to step into our destinies. God, I thank you for strategies of war that you're giving every one of these right now at the altar to carry this vision forward that you've created them and made them with purpose, on purpose for great things. Oh God, I pray that you would now protect and surround these fresh visions in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being in church. I'm just going to, I'm going to restrain myself from personally prophesying over everybody and say that you should leave here today hopping, leaping, and praising God. The beautiful things that he's doing and creating in your home and hearts. Positive vision for the future. Thank you for being, th thanks for listening to the rants. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Your release. Go and change your world. Amen. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.